Mama said, don't give up, it's a little complicated. They say it's all been done, but they haven't seen the best of me. So I got one more run, and it's gonna be a sight to say. guys doing? I've not ever spoken up here from this stage. The lights are really bright and I can't see any of your faces. I hope you're smiling at me because that would make me feel much more comfortable. My name is Amy Holly, and I have been a regular attender here at Ripon Community Church uh, for almost 15 years with a little break in between while we lived out of state. And typically um, I get the privilege of being up here with the worship team, which I absolutely love. But anybody who knows me really well could tell you that Really, my first love is getting to teach God's word. And I am so um, blessed and privileged and honored and thankful that I get to do that today um, as we finish up this house series. Um, If you've been here over the past, I don't know, four or five weeks, you know that we have talked about a lot of really relevant topics. We've talked about how to pray and forgive, how to deal with failure, how to handle relationships and do them the right way. And these things are all so relevant to our lives that if you happen to miss one of those messages, like uh, Tasha and Aaron said, we really encourage you to go check out the YouTube channel for church and catch up on those messages because there is so much wisdom shared there. Uh, Today, we are going to finish up the series by talking about how to read the Bible. Um, And before we do that, would you guys pray with me? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that you have given us this incredible book called the Bible to show us your heart and to instruct us and to comfort us and to um, be a guidebook for our lives. I pray that today as we talk about how to read it, that our hearts would be stirred up inside of us in such a way that we would not just think it's a good idea to read it, but that we would go out and actually do it and have it transform our lives as you meet us in the pages of this incredible thing that you have gifted to us. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, like I said, today we're going to talk about how to read the Bible, but I think before we even talk about how, a really bigger question is why. Like, you know, this is a rather large book. If you have tried to read it and maybe start at the beginning, maybe you've gotten out through, you know, maybe the end of Exodus or Leviticus before you start to realize, like, there's a lot of weird stuff in this thing. There is a lot of um, cultural and historical context that's unfamiliar to us because this book was written so long ago. Um, there are genealogies in it, and there are lists of rules that don't feel very relevant to our lives in the 21st century. Honestly, some parts are really, really hard to understand. Other parts seem kind of harsh, you know, where God is telling the Israelites to go and slaughter entire villages. A lot of people claim that this book right here is full of inconsistencies and that it contradicts itself. Perhaps you've heard that and you thought, you know, why, why would I bother, given all these obstacles that you kind of have to jump over. Why would we bother making the effort to read this thing on our own, especially if we can just come to church on a Sunday morning and have somebody else teach us what it says? That's way easier, isn't it? What is the benefit of actually getting to know the Bible and reading it for ourselves on a regular basis outside of Sunday mornings? This morning, I want to propose to you that reading the Bible on our own is a wonderful practice because this book right here is a means for us to know God and to be close to him, and to increasingly grow into the people that he made us to be. Let me repeat that once more and just make it even more personal. I'm going to use the word you. God gave you the gift of the Bible as a means to know him and to be close to him 
and to increasingly grow into the kind of person he made you to be. So if you're here today and you've had this desire to be closer to God, if you want to find out what he wants for your life, if you want to be a different person than you are today, if you want to become more loving or more patient or more purposeful, then I got to tell you, the Bible is key. I honestly believe that this book is indispensable to the spiritual growth process. And here's why. First of all, it's because the Bible is the words of God himself. That's why it's often referred to instead of as the Bible or scripture. Sometimes it's just simply called the word or the word of God. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, all scripture is God-breathed. God-breathed is just a phrase that means inspired by God. Now, to be clear, the Bible was written down by human authors. In fact, more than 40 of them. Over a span of about 1,500 years, three different continents, three different languages. But the claim that the Bible makes for itself is that every single word that is written in this book came from none other than the Lord himself, God, the creator of everything. Um, One of the Bible's human authors, Peter, explained it this way. He said, For prophecy, or scripture, the Bible, never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And what this verse is saying is that God wrote the Bible in concert with human authors whom he inspired to perfectly record the words that he wanted written down. Now, the individual personalities of those authors definitely comes through in their writings because he used these humans in this way, but the Holy Spirit ensured that all of the original words that were written down, each and every one, were the exact ones that God wanted to communicate with us. And that is big because it means a couple of things. First of all, it means that the Bible is actually authoritative over our lives. If we truly believe that these words are from God himself and that he is our creator who designed us, then this book right here, if that really is true, then this is the absolute truest and the absolute most trustworthy source of information that we have about God and about humans and how the world functions. It means that the Bible provides a way for us to actually know God's heart, the things that he loves and hates. It's a way for us to know his thoughts. It's a way for us to know his plans and desires for humankind throughout the scope of history. We know these things because he made sure that they were written down for us and preserved for us. Now, so many people, myself included, who are followers of God, want to know the answer to the question, what is God's will for my life? Have you ever wanted to know that? What is God's will for my life? Do I take that job offer or not? Do I marry this person I'm dating? Should I put an offer on this house or should I wait for a different one? Should I say yes to that opportunity or is it going to take up too much time? How do I honor my aging parents? How do I effectively love and discipline my children? You guys, I cannot tell you how many times I have had to make a decision of some sort in my life or I've struggled with something and I wish so desperately that God would just write me a stinking letter and have it sent to my mailbox, outlining exactly what he wanted me to do, because I would just do it if I knew. But I got to tell you, I'm in my 40s now, and I still have not received a letter from God delivered by the U.S. Postal Service, like ever. It's just not happened. But I will say this. I've received this right here. And this book contains the words of God himself telling me what he says is right, and what he says is good, and what he says is precious and worthwhile. And it might not say, in fact, it doesn't actually say, yes, Amy, go buy that house on such and such a street. But you know what it does do? It provides an awful lot of insight into what God desires and what he values in the situations in which I find myself. 
including every single one of those issues that I just mentioned, work, marriage, money, decision-making, family relationships, more. And that brings me to the second reason that I think it's wise for us to read God's word. It's because the Bible is a trustworthy guidebook for life. I'm going to continue that verse that I started reading from 2 Timothy. This is what it says. It says, all scripture, or the Bible, is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Another verse, this one from the psalm says, your word, the Bible, is a lamp to guide my feet and a light to guide my path. Now, you may have caught me before the lights came back up. I was still pushing this thing out. I would like to introduce you to my vacuum cleaner. This right here, my friends, is the DC-28 Dyson Animal. And we bought it because at the time that we purchased this, um, we had an animal that was supposed to be non-shedding. But it shed all over my house. And this vacuum cleaner right here was supposed to be the best in the world at picking up animal hair. So when my husband and I decided to invest the very significant amount of money that we needed to obtain this appliance, I was promised that it would never lose suction. Do you guys remember those commercials with the guy that made these things? I got to tell you, alas, this thing did lose suction. In fact, it sucks. You're not supposed to say that in church because it doesn't. That's the problem. Now, truth be told... I can't really throw that British dude under the bus because I'm pretty sure that the reason this vacuum cleaner no longer functions the way that it was made to is that I have not maintained it the way the vacuum maker told me to in the manual that I got when I purchased this. And to be honest, if I want this thing to work properly again, I really need to follow the instructions that were given to me by the person who dreamt it up and put it together in the first place and knows its ins and outs of how it works. The vacuum creator actually provided a very detailed set of instructions to teach me what is true about this item and to help me realize what's wrong with it. So that this vacuum cleaner can actually live its best life now instead of sitting in the closet, not sucking anything. And to be honest, you know what? If I were to look anywhere other than that manual for help in fixing this thing, that would be foolish. I wouldn't watch a talk show or read a lifestyle blogger's post on fashion, or look at a math textbook to tell me how to make my vacuum do what it was made to do. I need the guidance of that British dude who actually made it and made all those lofty promises. And I sure, I'm sure you probably get where I'm going with this really goofy illustration that has a not-so-goofy application to our real lives, doesn't it? Now, if we're smart enough to recognize our need for the expertise of an inventor to make something like a vacuum cleaner work, man, you guys, how much more... Do we need the wisdom and the instructions of a God who created human beings and made our brains and made our bodies and gave us the ability to think and feel and relate to others? If we want to know how to functionally or function optimally as human beings, if we want to know what's true about us and put our finger on what's wrong when life is not going so well, then the Bible, you guys, is the most trustworthy and reliable instruction manual, so to speak, to guide us. Because the human maker himself wrote it down. And his lofty promises, by the way, always hold true. And that brings me to the third why that I'm going to propose to you this morning for reading the Bible. We read the Bible because it is good. 
and it does good things for us when we put its teachings into practice. Listen to these incredible, awesome words from Psalm 19. It says, the law of the Lord. All these phrases, by the way, the law, the decrees, commandments, these are references to God's word. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight to life. They are a warning to those who hear them. There is great reward for those who obey them. And then here's what Jesus himself said. He said, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on a rock. The rain came down, or in our case, freezing rain over and over again. (laughs) The streams rose and the winds blew against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. I don't know about you, but that's how I want my life to be. I want to be wise. I want to have joy. I want to have insight into the best way of live. I want to have a strong foundation to cling to when life gets really hard. And that is why I read this book right here. So, if it is worth it to read the Bible, how do we go about it? Like, how, how do we go about reading this very lengthy book? If you feel intimidated by the Bible's sheer size and content, you are not alone at all. I mean, quite honestly, there is some really weird stuff in the Bible, including words that have made some of even the wisest theologians in history scratch their heads and say, I don't get it, because they even aren't certain what God is saying. And that's probably because God is infinitely smarter than we are, and so the words that he says, sometimes they go above us. But even given that, I want to encourage you just to go for it anyway, because if the Bible truly is God's word to you, if the Bible truly is the most trustworthy guide to life, and if it truly does give things like joy and wisdom and insight, isn't it worth the effort to get familiar with what it says? Uh, Towards the end of this message, I'm going to give you some very practical suggestions for how and where to start reading the Bible, because hopefully I've convinced you that doing this has value. But I want to give you some guiding principles first that I think will help you and make you, or help you make more out of your time and get more time. I said that wrong. How to get more out of the time you spend reading the Bible. So here's guiding principle one. Let the Bible speak what God wants to communicate. When you sit down and read the Bible, I encourage you to ask, God, what are you saying in these verses? And I know that sounds really basic, because obviously we want to know what God says, but you know what? Sometimes... I know this is true of me. I am guilty of this. Sometimes I read into the Bible what I want to hear rather than just letting God speak what he wants to communicate. Anybody here ever have like a crush on somebody in middle school or high school? When you have a crush on somebody, don't you have a tendency to kind of nuance like every little thing that that person does? If they say, hi, in the hallway, you're like, I think he's going to ask me you know, I mean, like you just, I mean, the guy was probably saying hi to somebody else. I mean, but I took it as like, I'm going to get asked out. Or if he took a seat three desks away from me in class, that meant he was maybe interested, but he was just too shy to actually seat the take, you know, take the seat next to me. So, you know, when you have a crush on somebody, you kind of read your, your hopes into every action and you interpret them in a way that supports what you want to happen. And I think sometimes we take the same approach when we're reading the Bible, Sometimes we have biases and hopes that can color how we're reading, almost like putting on a set of pink or blue or whatever glasses. And in some circumstances, you guys, honestly, we might not even be aware of our biases until we actually sit down and examine our motives. Other times, however, we might be fully aware of what we're trying to do. 
For example, I remember a time when um, I was pregnant and I had to go through some medical tests and I was nervous about it. And so I would dig through the Bible and I would be looking for every verse that said, God heals all your diseases. And I would read those or come upon them and be like, all right, God, that's proof. That's proof that everything's going to turn out okay. It wasn't proof. It's just what I wanted to hear. Although his words still did comfort me. Or sometimes I want to prove that God is on my side in an issue, politically or theologically, or in a conflict with my husband, perhaps. And I want to be right, so I look for whatever is in the Bible that confirms my stance, and then I just kind of gloss over everything that doesn't, that tells me what I'm doing wrong. (laughs) No, if we really want to know God's heart, we probably need to just put aside our biases and ask him what he's really saying, rather than reading our own hopes and desires and agendas into the Bible's words, because we will get so much more out of it. And what we're being informed will be, uh, the way we're being informed will be truth rather than just our opinion. So let the Bible speak what God wants to communicate. Second of all, and this is huge, read for the purpose of transformation. Transformation. Ask God questions like, God, is there a principle or a truth or a teaching in these verses that you want me to put into practice? Is there an example here for me to follow or to avoid? Is there a new way that you want me to think, Lord? Romans 12.2 says that we're to let God transform us into new people by changing the way that we think. And remember, this is the purpose. This is the purpose of reading the Bible, is to get to know God, to be close to him, and to increasingly grow into the kind of people that he made us to be. We want to be transformed in such a way that we love God and we love others well, because that's really what it means to follow Jesus. It's not about knowing the right things. It's about loving the right way. That's what it says in 1 Corinthians. Paul says, knowledge puffs up while love builds up. We don't read to get ourselves puffed up with knowledge. We read so that we can love God and love others well. James 1.22 says, don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. So a wise person reads God's word with the intent to obey it. And I want to interject something here that really is kind of not in my message, but I read it this week. Um, on Instagram, and I thought it was such a good recipe for spiritual growth. It said, love Jesus passionately, obey precisely, act promptly. Isn't that good? We are transformed when we do this. When we love Jesus passionately because we know what he says about us and about himself and how he feels about us and his word, we read what he wants us to do and we obey it precisely and promptly. That is how we get transformed into the people God wants us to be and the people that, quite honestly, we want to be. And speaking of loving Jesus passionately, I want, thirdly, to encourage you to read the Bible in the context of your relationship with God who just really loves you and wants to spend time with you. One of the questions you might ask when you're reading is, God, are you showing me your grace or your truth in these verses? I just mentioned a moment ago doing what God says, but I want to say very clearly that Christianity, Christianity is not about dry adherence to a list of do's and don'ts. That's not what it is at all. At its heart, Christianity is about relationship. And therefore, Bible reading is not an intellectual exercise. It's a relational experience. Because God is real, and he's personal, and he is so interested in our lives. And because he loves us, he is, according to the Bible, full of both grace and truth. Those are like two sides of a coin. We don't get one without the other. Now, in my own relationship with God, I have experienced both God's grace and, oh, thank him, his truth. As I've spent time reading the Bible, sometimes God lavishes me with grace. He gives me reminders of his love and his affection towards me. 
And then other times, you guys, when I'm reading the Bible, he kindly wallops me with truth. Now, often I would prefer only to receive grace, but I know that I really need grace and truth together in order to grow into the woman that God wants me to become. So sometimes I need to be challenged and pushed beyond what I'm comfortable with. Sometimes I need to be corrected because I'm wrong in the way that I'm thinking or acting. Sometimes, often actually, I need to be moved to repentance. And as unpleasant as that truth may be, I want to hear it so that I can grow. But here's the deal. I hear that within the context of my relationship with him. And I have found that there is no kinder or more trustworthy or loving teacher than God himself. And over time, through years of confiding in God through prayer and hearing from him as I read these words in the Bible, I have come to trust him in such a way that I absolutely treasure his input into my life, even if it is truth that I don't really want to hear because I know he is good and he wants good things for me. And that is why I'm going to leave you with a fourth suggestion for how to read the Bible. Read prayerfully. So prayer is just a word for having a conversation with God. We talk to him, and often he speaks to us through the words that we are reading. Now, there might be days where we pick up the Bible, we read it, and we don't feel like God is saying much of anything through the Bible, and that is totally okay. Don't fret or freak out if that happens. It happens to me all the time. I'll read, and I'll be like, hey, I'll grab something here, but nothing's really jumping out at me. You know what our role is? in this Bible reading thing and the relationship that we have with God, our role is to show up. It's just to show up ready to listen and to learn. Our role is to put ourselves in a position where he can speak to us if we want to because our ears are open and we've set aside a block of time where we've pushed out the other distractions and said, I want to hear from you. So when you read the Bible, it might be really helpful to pray things like, God, will you just please help me understand what you're saying here? Would you please teach me what you want me to learn? Would you help me to see what you want me to see? Because I want to grow closer to you. I want to be the person that you want me to be, and I'm here. So pray. Pray for understanding. Pray for growth. Pray for open ears. Pray that you will learn from God, who is your teacher and your friend. And that's really, isn't it, the core of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus? Jesus' disciples often called him rabbi, which meant teacher. And what they did is they hung around with him. They listened to what he said, and they did what he did, and that is what we are to do as well. In Luke 6, 40, Jesus said, the student who is fully trained will become like his teacher. And that's what we want. We want to become like him. We want to grow in our love to do the things that Jesus does. So I encourage you to pray as you read the Bible and ask God to help you be a good student who becomes like your teacher, Jesus. And I, I think that's a prayer he would absolutely love to answer. All right, so now let's get really, really practical. If you want to become a consistent reader of the Bible, if you want to make it a habit in your life, um, I'm going to propose that you identify three things. A time, a place, and a plan. A time that you've picked and set aside for reading the Bible, a place where you're going to do it, and then some sort of plan that you're going to follow. I know for me, I have struggled through... I'm too embarrassed to tell you how long some periods have been where I just have not, I've, I've strayed from reading this. And it's usually, if I've strayed from reading this for long periods of time, um, it's usually because I have not designated a time, a place, and a plan. Um, my days just get eaten up with other activities. You know, reading the Bible is a discipline, and most disciplines are more likely to happen with a little bit of advanced planning. So if you want to, you might even want to just take your program that you got this morning 
And as I, I kind of go through this next section, maybe you want to jot down some ideas for a time and a place that would maybe work for you. Right now, my time where I read the Bible is in the morning right before I even get out of bed. Um, my husband usually gets up before I do, and he goes downstairs with the kids to start breakfast and coffee. Always coffee. And he wanted me to tell you he makes really good coffee. So while he and the kids are downstairs, that is a perfect time for me to just spend a few moments talking to God and reading his word before I begin the day. And my place right now, honestly, is not the most optimal. It's my bed. And the reason it's not the best place is, is that it's really comfortable. And sometimes while I'm reading, I fall back asleep again. But honestly, for my current season of life, it's working to help me be consistent. Because as soon as I go downstairs, the kids have my attention. Now, your time and place, they can be whatever works best for you. Yours might be in the car, listening to the Bible read aloud to you. Hopefully not, don't read it while you're driving. But you can have it read aloud to you during your morning commute because you can download a free app that'll do that for you. Maybe your time would be um, right after you get home from school or work and the place is your favorite comfortable chair with a warm drink in your hand and a Bible in your lap. Or if spring ever comes, out on your deck with a cold drink. Doesn't that sound nice? It sounds like a dream. Um, maybe your time and place is during your lunch break. Maybe instead of scrolling through emails and other stuff that you have going on while you're eating, maybe you could just designate 10 minutes of your lunch hour to read the Bible on your phone. Get an app that'll do that. Maybe your time and place is bedtime in your child's room. Reading a Bible story to your little one is a way to feed both of your souls. I got to tell you, some of my most meaningful connections with God have happened while reading something called the Jesus Storybook Bible with my kids. If you want a really great children's Bible or just something for you to read as an adult to help you understand God's word, the Jesus Storybook Bible by Sally Lloyd-Jones is phenomenal. Now, you can get really creative with your time and place. Just do whatever works for you, but I really encourage you to identify a little chunk of each day to spend with God. And if you think you don't have time, can we just get really real for a moment? I don't know about you, but I know I have plenty pockets of time during the day to scroll through Facebook and Instagram. I watch TV a lot. I read a lot of junk emails that don't need my attention. And if you are like me, I'm just going to propose that you probably do have time to read. It's just a matter of making a choice to spend your time a little bit differently. So pick a time and a place. And then in addition to those two things, it's really good to have a plan now, haphazardly jumping around, just kind of open up your Bible and read whatever it falls to. That might work well for some of y'all who are way less type A than I am. But honestly, I think most of us are served well by having some kind of a plan. Um, my personal plan, the reason I have my phone up here is to make sure I don't go over on time. And to show you, my personal plan is uh, something from an app called YouVersion that you can download for free to your phone. They have all these wonderful Bible reading plans. Mine just goes through the Bible in about a year. I've never finished it in a year, ever. But... Every time I sit down to read the Bible, I know what's coming next because I have this plan. It's not a rigid thing. Some days I stray from that plan and read something else. But what's really helpful about having a plan is that I can fall back on it whenever I don't know what to read. I don't have to figure out what to read next. I just pick up wherever I left off. So if you are in that boat and you're kind of like, I don't know where to start, I've actually prepared a little resource for you. Very, very, very simple. Uh, the pastor of the church that my family attended while we lived away from here for a while always had a phrase that he said, and I thought it was so good. He said, a chapter a day for the rest of your life. Isn't that a great motto? I think it's such a great guideline, a goal to shoot for, and it's doable for every single one of us. So I based this little plan right here on that motto, a chapter a day for the rest of your life. Um, maybe the rest of your life sounds a little intimidating. So maybe you just want, as you're leaving here today, to commit to reading a chapter a day for a week. 
and just see how it goes. If that's the case, you can just read the first seven days of this plan. It'll take you through the book of Ephesians. Maybe you're thinking, you know what? I want more of a challenge than just a week. I want to try it for a month. If you want to do that, there's another section of the plan through the bottom of the front side that'll just take you through the book of Luke, which talks about the life of Jesus. There are six chapters from Luke every week, and then a seventh day, there's a psalm just to give you some variety. And then if you really want to keep going, um, I just did a little quick Google search this week asking, how long does it take to develop a habit? And it said, current research suggests an average of 66 days um, are required to establish a new habit in your life. So I actually gave you enough days to, to fill up 66 days. It'll take you through the book of Acts on the back. Um, this starts tomorrow. And if you want to grab this as just a really cool goal to shoot for, um, I encourage you to pick it up. There are also a couple of questions on the bottom side that aren't required. You can use them if it helps you or just disregard them if it doesn't, but just to give you a little bit of guidance as you're reading. For me personally, um, when I'm reading the Bible, no matter how many verses or chapters I'm reading, I usually try to read what I'm going to read for the day. And then I usually just try to grab one phrase or verse that I can think about during the next 24 hours until I come back to the Bible again. For example, yesterday, um, this, the day I finished writing this part of the message, I read 1 Corinthians 4 on my, on my phone, on my app. And one of the verses that stood out to me said, those who have been given a trust must be faithful. So throughout the day, I just kind of mulled over those words so that I didn't just read and then walk away and forget everything I read. I forgot most of what I read. But I remember this. Those who have been given a trust must be faithful. So all day, I just kind of thought about, all right, God, how can I be faithful with what you've entrusted to me? How can I be, be faithful to my children right now and love them well? How can I be faithful in preparing the message that I have to give tomorrow? Help me to be disciplined. How can I be faithful with the time that I have for today? And throughout the day, I just kind of ask God for help in being faithful and to take my entrustments from him seriously. And that little bit of time that I spent reading the Bible that morning helped shape the way that I thought and acted for the rest of the day. And it was so good. That's how life transformation happens. And that is just one of the many reasons why I absolutely treasure this book. Even when I'm not reading it consistently, I treasure the words that God has stored in my brain over the years from it. I read it to comfort me when I'm discouraged or sad. I read it to give me guts when I'm scared to do something hard I need to do. I read it to remember who God says I am instead of letting the world or my own thoughts define that for me. Sydney's going to sing just in a little bit a song called, You Say, God, You Say, I Am These Things When I Feel This Way. Those come from God's word, those, those promises that he makes about who we are. I read this book to re be reminded that God loves me. I read it to receive God's wise counsel in my relationships. I read it to help myself keep pointed to due north instead of wasting my one and only life on stuff that doesn't have any eternal significance at all. When I stray from this, I start to waste my time. But this gets me back on track. Some days I read this book just to simply stay sane. <laughs> because I'm grumpy or frazzled or angry and I'm biting people's heads off and I have to come back to this and be reminded that this is not a good way to live my life. I read it to help figure out what's wrong in my life when things are not going well. I read it to be encouraged by God's promises. I read it to nourish my soul. I read it to better understand my purpose in the world. I read it to become a better mom and wife and friend and neighbor. Most of all, I read it so that I can begin to align my will with what God wants because he has authority over me, because he is my creator and he is my savior, and because I wholeheartedly believe that what he wants for me is good. And I read it 
because Jesus has invited me to be his friend and to learn from him. I want you to hear these verses from John 15 because they are so cool. Jesus was speaking to his disciples and he said, I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. And even though Jesus spoke these words to his disciples that were physically present with him, I believe that this is how he feels about every single one of us. I'm pointing because the verse is down here. Sorry. This is how he feels about every single one of us. He invites us to be his friends. He reveals to us what he has learned from the Father, and he makes it known to us so we can be close to him, so we can know him, so we can increasingly grow into the people he made us to be. And the Bible is a powerful means to that friendship, to developing it. So let's pray and let's ask him to help us stay consistent in reading this book. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the way that it corrects us and guides us and counsels us. Thank you for the way it encourages us with promises of your love and the fact that you are for us, that you're not against us, you're for us. I pray that we would become a church full of people who read this book on a consistent basis so that our lives may be transformed and so that we can grow into a deepening friendship with you and your son, Jesus. We pray this in his name. Amen.